Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interest podcast series. My name's Tony Stringer and I'm a Managing Director in Fitch's Global Sovereigns Group. I'm joined today by Brian Corton, our Chief Economist and Lead Author of Fitch's Quarterly Global Economic Outlook Report. So Brian, three months on from our last GEO when we cut our 2019 growth forecast by a pretty substantial 0.3% and we seem to have a number of factors moving in different directions and to some extent clouding the outlook somewhat. On the one hand, data and growth outturns for Q1 in the advanced economies and in China were better than previously anticipated. But on the other hand, threats relating to trade tensions and weaker business investment seem to be presenting higher downside risks for the global economy. How are you balancing these factors in your updated macro forecasts? In terms of juggling all these different balls, I think net-net, it's fair to say that we've come out more bearish in this forecast. And I think there's a couple of aspects here to focus on. While we've upgraded 2019 growth for the larger countries, it's really just the arithmetic. Q1 was a bit better than we thought. And so when you average out the year, you get up a slightly better number. But on a sequential basis, how fast are these economies going to grow through Q2 through Q4 of this year? Actually, we've revised down growth for, for most countries. Second aspect, I think, is just focus on 2020, where we have taken the global growth forecast down, despite our assumption that global trade tensions don't escalate further from here. I think there are really two sort of key drivers as to why we become more bearish. One is the increase in the uncertainty, even if the extra tariffs don't happen, is already taking a toll on business investment. The second point, I think, is that the numbers in China have actually, the weakness of consumption there is really lingering a little bit longer than we expected. And that, I think, is, uh, is weighing on the outlook as well. Okay, so focusing in a bit more specifically on some of these issues, trade tensions you just mentioned, more specifically US trade policy, shaping up to be one of the defining stories of the year in terms of the global economy. To what extent are those tensions now baked into our baseline forecast and how much worse could things get if, for example, the US follows through on its threat to impose tariffs on the remaining $300 billion of Chinese imports? This is already making the life of an economic forecaster quite difficult. It's becoming so unpredictable. Round the houses on Mexico, we thought we were going to have 25% tariffs, and then it, then it was all cancelled. So what we've decided to do for the purposes of this forecast is, in terms of the risk of the next round of US tariffs on China, we really want to wait until the ink is dry on that before we bake it into the baseline. So what we have here really is an assumption that the trade conflict is kind of frozen at this level. So the recent increase to 25% from the US uh, on 200 billion imports from China, that doesn't get reversed, but we don't get the extra 300 billion. Obviously, that begs the question as to what if it does happen. We've done some figuring in the report. We think there may be 0.4% knocked off of global growth uh, in 2020 uh, if that were to happen. The biggest effect in China, over over half percent, but also a substantial impact on the US consumer. Okay, turning now to business investment and manufacturing, those areas seem to represent a new and growing concern for you in this latest version of the GEO. Can you elaborate on exactly what's been driving the weakness that you're seeing in investment levels and how that's feeding through into other areas of the economy? I think there are two aspects to focus on here and and really sort of setting the context. We're basically in a global manufacturing recession already. 
And obviously, manufacturing is, is only a relatively small proportion of the overall economy, but a lot of the indicators come out of the manufacturing sector. So, so this, this, this is a key issue. I think it's, there's two aspects here. One is the global auto market remains very much in the doldrums. We just had numbers a couple of days ago showing car sales in China deteriorating at a faster pace in May than, than, than in April. And, and the, the, man, the car sector is a crucial uh, driver of global manufacturing. Very big multiplier effects uh, onto upstream in industries. So no real prospects of a rebound, a rebound there. And secondly, I think what we're also seeing is a spillover from the slowdown in trade and trade prospects on capital goods orders. So firms are no longer spending the money uh, on, uh, on on capital goods because they're being much more cautious about about investment. And that's also weighing on manufacturing, weighing on world trade. It's a very very open sector. So that I think is one of the key areas where we see the sort of spillover from this manufacturing sector to to broader domestic demand. It's quite notable in this GEO that our 2019 growth forecast for a number of the largest and mostly advanced economies have been revised up. That includes the US, the Eurozone, China, Japan and the UK. Meanwhile, the biggest growth downgrades have been applied to some of the largest EM economies, um, including Brazil, Mexico, South Africa, Russia and Korea. So this sounds a bit like an EM-DM dichotomy, but is there a structural negative EM trend at play here? Or is this more of a cyclical rebalancing of our forecasts? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I think maybe the way the point to start here is that you might expect the sort of easier global monetary and credit environment that we're now seeing uh, to help EM. You know, as we said last year, the tightening of dollar liquidity was, was, a, was, a, was an important drag on emerging market growth. So that situation is obviously looking looking a lot better, but frankly, we don't we don't really see it coming through in the numbers in this forecast. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. I talked about this manufacturing slump. Well, emerging market growth is much more closely linked to the global manufacturing and global trade cycle than developed countries, and I think that's 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 a theme that's come through in our forecasts. And then the trade war. What we were seeing in the first few months of this year was a recovery in capital flows to emerging markets. That's all seems to have gone south again in April and May because of the worries about US-China. So emerging markets are not benefiting uh, from that easing in global liquidity conditions from, from a capital inflow perspective. And then there are these structural issues which seem to be lingered. The, the energy sector in Mexico, a big drag on growth. Similar effects were seen in Q1 in, in South Africa as well. They had to, on, on the electricity supply side. Brazil, you know, big challenges there in getting in getting investment growth back up again. Obviously big fiscal challenges as well. So I think there are... There are some more medium-term, uh, medium-term issues in emerging markets also also playing on this. But maybe just to come back on the first point here, which is, which is I think is quite an important message, is that you know while we do see looser monetary policy helping a bit, we don't think it's going to be enough to offset the impact of this of this trade shock. And, and that's that's a that's a broader factor. We're seeing it in the emerging market story. I think we're going to see it globally. Central banks are not really in a position to off, to offset this. This is an adverse supply shock for a start. And secondly, this increase in uncertainty means that you make credit cheaper, but firms are not going to use that because they're, more, they're less confident about the future. Okay, so picking up on that theme of monetary policy, even three months ago, we've still been expecting that the Fed's bias over the rest of 2019 would be a tightening one, leading to potentially a further policy rate hike. But it now looks as if that's not going to happen. Um, Given the Fed's more dovish recent rhetoric, do you think we may even see rates cut in the second half of this year? And then as a supplementary question, what are your latest thoughts on the ECB's policy stance and its likely next moves given the weakness in the Eurozone economy? We no longer think the Fed is going to raise rates, uh, but neither do we think they're going to cut. That's not in our base case. Remember, our base case is that 
the trade tensions don't get any worse. If that happens, we think we'll be in a world towards the end of 2019 where external concerns are getting a little bit less concerning. Uh, China will be more clearly stabilizing. I think that will allow the Fed to refocus on the incoming data in the US, which on our forecast, we don't think are going to be that, that bad. I mean, it's got to be a slowdown, but it's still going to be growth around potential. Core inflation has not really been falling across the, across the board. Uh, we haven't seen financial conditions tighten in the last few weeks. So that's our base case. But yes, it clearly is a distinct possibility. The Fed looks to take out some sort of insurance against, a, against the risk of recession. Uh, that's, that's a possibility. I'm not sure that would be a wise move personally at this late point in the cycle to be making debt even cheaper. The risk of financial bubbles growing is, is definitely there. The US economy is slowing though as well. Um, we're seeing bigger spillovers to the domestic economy from, from, the, from the trade shop. There's been a bit of a positive supply side surprise in the US in the last couple of years that the Fed have been talking about a bit more from the labour market. We've seen a recovery in labour force participation that's been a little bit stronger than most people expected. Certainly there's enough there for the Fed if the Fed really feels that they need to do this that they, they can hang on to. So it's definitely a rising probability, but not in, not in our base case. In terms of the ECB, it seems to us a lot more clear cut that there's need for more policy easing. It's not just the growth adjustments, which we haven't taken growth down any further in this forecast. In fact, we pushed it up slightly, but it's still a weak growth outlook. I think more significantly, we're seeing a real alarming decline in inflation expectations. So if you look at the, the five-year, five-year forward rate, uh, in recent days, that, that's dipped below 1.2%. And it's declined as rapidly as it did in the second half of 2014, which is which is what prompted the ECB to, to do QE, but from a lower starting point. Um, and it's happened when oil prices have not, been, have not been tumbling. So there is a credibility issue here. If you follow the rhetoric or the, uh, or the, the narrative of the ECB as to why they change policy, they, they need to do something. And, and this kind of reinforces our view that they will be looking at restarting the QE program towards the end of this year. We don't see their sort of self-imposed constraints in terms of how much sovereign debt they can own of a particular country. I, I don't think that's going to get in the way. I think we are going to be looking and more QE again uh, by, by the end of the year. Finally, even though our global growth forecasts for 2019 and 20 have barely moved in headline terms, it does seem as though the balance of risks has shifted pretty clearly towards a more negative dynamic. So given all the risk issues you've already outlined, including trade, investment, the auto sector, further tariff threats, and we haven't even mentioned Brexit, how likely do you think it is that we might be revising down our forecast more materially in three months' time? Well, it does seem quite hard to find the upside risks at the moment. Uh, and as you say, everything is stacked towards forecast downgrades. I think a huge amount depends on trade policy. We could see a scenario where things improve and the recent increase to 25% from the US on China gets, gets rescinded. That will, be a, that will be an upside. But obviously the bigger risk uh, is that things escalate further. If that were to happen, we would definitely be downgrading our forecasts. I think the other area to watch is China, where the domestic demand data have really been quite saggy recently. That, I think, is a crucial area, whether or not we get the sort of response we're expecting in terms of China stabilising towards the end of the year. That potentially could be another source of, of, of further downgrades to our forecasts. Thanks for those insights, Brian, and thank you for listening. You can access the June Global Economic Outlook report along with our other sovereign and economics research on Fitch's website. We hope you join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests.